The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. We're digging deeper with Dee Dee Denslow on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back to TNT Radio. You're here with me, DD Denslow. I was just talking for the last hour with Jaden Franson. Got some mixed bags uh, of comments coming in on that conversation. But generally, uh, I think people thought it was a good show. And who have I got coming up and joining me in the next five minutes? He sat in front of me all the way from Florida. That's one of the best things that I have uh, to deal with with this job is that I get to speak to people from all over the world. And Stephen Ferry was actually one of the first guests that I ever, ever had on Digging Deeper. In fact, Digging Deeper didn't even exist when Stephen first joined me uh, all the way back in the summer of 2022. I was standing in for Rick Munn as a guest host on Locked and Loaded. So I am actually, my legs are shaking and I'm rubbing them and I'm twiddling my thumbs around because I'm actually really, really looking forward to speaking to Stephen again because I do remember the conversation we had back then, a year and a half ago, was actually... Uh, an excellent conversation and I thought I would lead in as he is tuning in all the way from the US of A uh, with a Donald Trump story because Stephen just told me that he is a bit of a fan and I'm like oh I don't know and this is regarding the South Carolina primary yesterday um, the vote took place uh, and Donald Trump is now one step closer to the Republican president nomination after a massive win over Nikki Haley in her own uh, her own manner the south carolina uh, the former president won his primary opponent's home state by a 20 point margin so uh, a massive and crushing defeat his fourth uh, in a row as he celebrated mr trump made no mention of miss haley who vowed to stay in the race instead he set his sights on the general election in november that will likely be a rematch with his successor in the white house Joe Biden. We're going to look Joe Biden right in the eye, he told supporters minutes after US media projected him as the winner on Saturday night. He's destroying our country and we're going to say, get out, Joe, you're fired, as only Mr. Trump could say it. Uh, Mr. Trump lauded his party's unity after Saturday's results, saying, there's never been a spirit like this. I have never seen the Republican Party so unified. It marked a shift from his response to last month's primary in New Hampshire, where he raged against Miss Haley for doing a speech like she won, which of course she did, and actually she lost. Miss Haley, who once served as a popular two-term governor of South Carolina, congratulated her opponent on his victory in her speech, but she has promised not to quit, and I'm quite sure her donors are saying, you've got to muddy the waters as much as possible. Keep going. We'll just keep giving you thousands, millions, tens, hundreds of millions of dollars. It's fine. Just keep standing against Trump while we try to punish him, crush him in every single way possible. But I suspect the only outcome of all the lawfare and warfare against Donald Trump will only make him stronger, and the outcome will be that he will be the Republican nominee for president in the USA. And then after that, all bets are off. Um, Stephen, 
welcome to the show. Uh, uh, it's absolutely fabulous, and I do genuinely mean that. Fabulous to have you back on here, on Digging Deeper here at TNT Radio. Uh, how are you, my friend? I'm really, really glad it's not 5 a.m. that I thought it was uh, in Florida. Uh, please, can you just say, because many of the people who are listening now didn't listen to our original conversation back in 2022. Can you just briefly introduce yourself uh, and just tell the audience who you are and what you're about? Of course. Thank you, Darren, and thanks for the invite. Um, I'm a Brit. I've been living in the U.S. since 1978. I'm a writer. I've got about two dozen books published, hundreds of articles. I do various other things, but in terms of this uh, radio show, I've been a freedom fighter since uh, 1975 when I read Gary Allen's None Dare Call It Conspiracy. Um, when COVID first came out, or just as it was coming out, I smelt a rat. I did a lot of research and I published three articles internationally in a series. Um, ex basically exposing what was coming up. Um, and I'm sorry to say that most of what I suspected or stated has come to be. Um, I then set up Defending Humanity. I wanted to increase awareness that human rights have been violated like crazy uh, during co the lockdowns and COVID uh, response. Uh, in actual fact, the 30 human rights listed in the UN uh, Declaration of Human Rights, every single one had been violated. Um, I then moved on to joiningforces.world, which is what I'm running at the moment. Uh, the basic message per the title of the group is that we need to join forces because we have a common enemy. And you say I'm a Trump supporter. Uh, you know, I, whether or not I subscribe to, uh, <laughs> uh, to Mr. Trump, I really respect and appreciate what he's doing and other people like um, uh, the Russian pr premier, prime minister, uh, president um, are doing to push back against that one common enemy and that makes them my friends mm -hmm. um, right now the world economic forum the globalists they've got over three dozen destructive programs that they are pushing any one of which could uh, spell the end of humanity and that is really something that needs to get our attention so i um, i work on raising awareness on that um, I want I empower grassroots movements by giving them simple steps to do, because if you give them steps which are too uh, complex, uh, they won't do them. But if you give them simple steps, one, they'll do them. It pushes back against the globalist agenda, um, but it also puts them in the driver's seat. And then instead of feeling you, you, you don't feel so overwhelmed if there's something you can do about what's going on. And so that's important. And where were we going with all this? Um, mass global walkout which is the other organization that i manage for the us at least um a billion people on the streets that's me in a nutshell mass global walkout uh, that's something that almost sounds very very appealing to me and where my mind is at the moment and maybe we'll come to that uh, at the end of the show uh you've mentioned well i've mentioned trump and i i, I apologize for calling you a trump supporter uh you are I'll, I'll, I'll find a better way of making that sound a little bit tamer uh throughout this conversation what has gone wrong uh, and the or, or the topic headline that I gave you was, or you gave me, to be fair, was the hopelessness of Western politics. What has gone wrong? Why are we looking to somebody like Donald Trump or even looking east, as you mentioned, to somebody like President Putin as our savior in the Democratic West? What's gone wrong <laughs> that's led us to this place? If we could just take out 
and avoid the World Economic Forum and some of these other influences? What's gone wrong with the people? And what's gone wrong with the people who vote for these people? Well, I mean, that's a huge subject. <laughs> uh -huh. you, you have to encompass in that the complete destruction of education. America, uh, 130 years ago, had the best education system in the world. It's I mean, if you look at now, it's completely trashed. They spend half their time arguing about pronouns and things um, and teaching kids how to, if you excuse the expression, how to um, please themselves. You know, this uh, is not what a three, four-year-old <laughs> yeah, <laughs> needs to be learning. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think it starts there, but there's it's been a constant dis uh, effort to destroy, per the communist agenda actually, they have like 10, 12 steps that they follow. Um, but I'd like to focus a bit more specifically on the actual politics in the US, uh, sorry, sure. I beg your pardon, the UK, the UK. Uh -huh. um, because as with the Uniparty in the US, basically there's no real difference between the uh, half the Republicans, who we call rhinos, Republican in name only, and the Democrats, because they're basically marching to the drum of the same owners or bosses. Um, the problem is that the Labour and Conservative Party members are almost all compromised by threats, by bribes, being caught in a honey trap, or they're plain dumbed down by an atrocious education system as well. And I say that having been through the English education system, and it's a heck of a lot better than the US one, I can tell you. Um, but it also is being undermined. And obviously, ongoing propaganda. And, and judging by the recent fracas in the parliament between uh, the Scottish National Party's amendment and the Labour's amendment being favoured by the Speaker of the House, <laughs> um, I'd say a violent element of the Muslim community has politicians in the UK by the gonads. Uh, they're using violence to sway political decisions. And the funny thing is, the Zionists of the Israeli deep state are using this, their influence too, especially in the US, to do the same thing. So what we have is a mix um, where parliamentary procedure and any semblance of running the US or the UK for the benefits of actual citizens has evaporated. And what we have is Middle Eastern countries and cultures bringing their way of doing politics to our shores. And I don't mean to sound like the English, uh, the innocents here. We've we've spent several centuries uh, running amok with Machiavellian approach to politics and empire building. Um, uh, you know, the English and the Europeans both. Um, I think it's just too bad that well-intended citizens of whatever, whatever ethnic origin are stuck in the middle of this ongoing fight between Western elitists and Middle Eastern zealots. And I think that's part of the problem with the actual politics themselves. Um, the fact is the elitists, whom I regard as the basic problem, not the zealots, um, have gone too far and too fast for well-meaning people not to notice the consequences of the edicts they've issued and enforced with no concern for those impacted by them. It's a complete arrogance on the part of the politicians, again, because they're bought and sold. Um, bought and paid for a big one. Um, a natural consequence, of course, and this is the plus, is that citizens are waking up. They're rising up. And a recent Gallup poll in the US found that public trust in government institutions has dropped down to 7% for Congress, if you can imagine that. I can't imagine the English think much better of Parliament. Parliament. 
<laughs> I, I'm sure I'd be surprised if in the UK it's as high as actually, or I mean, I don't know, as high as 7% have trust in our institu institutions uh, and politics. Uh, you mentioned that they've gone so the, 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 the politicians uh, and the political institutions and establishments have gone so far and so quickly that the, even the average layman is waking up to what is happening. Yeah, it's quite, it's becoming quite obvious that everything isn't quite right. Uh, decisions are being made. Hey, we didn't vote for that. What do you mean, mass immigration? We don't want that. It's all happening so fast. Does that does that mean, in your opinion, people are now really, really um, trying are waking up? And does that create the potential for quite a serious clash? Because we've got one push in one direction and a, and a mass uprising of people suddenly waking up and going, "Oh my God, uh, look what's happening." Uh, is, yeah. is there going to be a clash there? Well, that's what they're aiming for, is either war uh, in one part of the world or another, or a civil war, certainly in the US. Um, and I, the importation of lots of military-age men into England, and I even saw reports of them being provided with weapons, some of them, um, that, of course, adds up to what they would like, which is complete mayhem, so they can introduce a martial law. I don't know if you have that in England, but we do in America. Um, oh, we, we could have and, it here if, if, if they if it, it can be implemented. I think it is a tool that might, in extreme circumstances, that could be used. You could right. call lockdowns martial law almost, couldn't you? The COVID lockdowns. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they'll probably come across with a more PRful uh, environmental lockdown to save the world, etc. It's all bull, uh, of course. Um, but I think, unfortunately, um, family and friends dropping dead rather suddenly is one of the things that's persuading people that something's not right. And the, when they occasionally get wind of the fact that they're not going to be able to do this or that, and they're going to end up with nothing by the time 2030 comes, and they'll still be happy, apparently, that wakes people up. And I think the more that bodies continue to pile up from the sudden deaths from the vaccines, the Ukrainian meat grinder, uh, the Gazan genocide, these numbers will only continue to worsen. And um, uh, yeah. So it's going to become more and more obvious. And our challenge is to make sure that we don't devolve into um, civil war or s civil commotion. Do you think, um, you, you, do, you, do you think that um, we're going to get to a point where the, the establishment are like, if we continue pushing like we are, we're going to lose what small amount of support we have and that they will try to roll back? Or is it a case of the establishment are in a position now, you know, where Western politics is, we've got no other option but to keep doubling down, doubling down, pouring more money in it, more war, more uh, uh, restriction of, of human rights on the public, because we can't go backwards. Do you think that's the position that they're in? And is Donald Trump the one who might come in, say, in the USA, and say, do you know what? I'm just going to go reverse and go backwards. <laughs> that's why I like the guy. <laughs> Absolutely. And these people are insane. So they're not necessarily going to make the same decisions. And they have done so many bad things that they really are for it once uh, once their momentum stops. But of course, they keep piling on this stuff. But there is an alternative. Um, I think if you look at the recent by-elections uh, in England, uh, they've given us a flavor of the tide turning uh, in a peaceful way, um, like Neathport Talbot. Half the votes went to an independent who came absolutely from nowhere to win the seat, as I'm sure everyone knows. 
then you look at Wellingborough and Kingswood. Uh, Labour didn't win because they suddenly became popular. It's because the Conservatives uh, quit voting. So uh, <laughs> that says something. Yeah. Um, uh, and also a, a, an increased uh, voter share towards reform, who I don't trust. Uh, I'm not sure how well aware you are of Nigel Farage and Richard Teist. Uh, they've lost the public confidence. But nevertheless, they did pick up sort of 10, 11, 12% of the votes in the, those elections, which is a big increase to what they are used to. So that's very indicative that people are willing to vote elsewhere, particularly as nobody can vote for the... You can't vote for the Conservatives in the UK uh, out of any of the parties after what they've done here. Um, could you know? Is there any ever opportunity, very quickly, for a third party or a third candidate in the USA? We've mentioned reform and an independent candidate doing quite well here in the UK. Could that possibly happen in the USA? Um, it's unlikely in the USA, but you don't need it because you have so much um, popularity with the republic well, or with the Republican base for Mr. Trump. So. Um, we don't need it, but um, I mean, the fact is that the the mainstream parties have no policies to offer that could work or that would excite the electorate. So, of course, there's an opportunity here. And I think the and I'm glad you brought this up because I think this is the solution for the UK. And I'm I you know I'm half I'm an English citizen, but I'm also a um, an American citizen. I have my feet in both camps. I don't follow UK politics very closely. Uh, but I keep tabs on it enough to see what's going on um, and provide a, an, an external uh, perspective, perhaps. Um, I think the all the people but not the elite parties in the UK are the best bet. But right now, they are pretty invisible. They're underfunded. Um, and as you say, the uh, reform, which is the biggest party of, of all of them, um, has probably the best bet of getting maybe, I don't know, 40 seats. I'm not an expert. Um, if Nigel Farage were actually to stop talking about being an ambassador for the US, which is his latest thing, um, and actually buckle down and say, I'm going to commit myself to UK politics. Um, so where I think, what I think needs to happen is basically contained in the name of our group, joining forces. They need to join forces. There's no way that any one of them can win uh, on their own. Um, and so you've got very able beings in the form of Nigel Farage, Andrew Bridgen, Lawrence Fox, and many others. They could all do a good job. Anyone could do a better job than the current politicians uh, who, you know, if their lips are moving, you know, you know they're lying. <laughs> and, uh, you know... Hundred percent. Is if their mips are moving here in the UK, if it's Starmore or Sunak, uh, neither of well, Sunak, as we discussed in my previous hour, wasn't even elected. Uh, if they're if they're speaking, they're lying to you. Uh, we're exactly. going to carry on. Yeah, we're going to we'll carry on this conversation in just a few moments, uh, Stephen. Uh, we're going to a break now, so please, everyone who's listening, stay right with us. We'll be right back in just a moment here on TNT Radio. TNT's Chris Smith. Yeah, there's nothing humane in the boat people, people smuggler trade. Nothing inhum nothing humane about it or compassionate about it at all. This has always been one of the great delusions of the left. And if they didn't learn that lesson from the tragedy of the uh, Rudd and Gillard government, when over a thousand people drowned on, on the oceans to the north of Australia, if they didn't learn that lesson about a thousand people, including women and children drowning, 
Well, they're very slow learners and they're bound to repeat that mistake. But that's because their ideology superseded the practicalities of the issue, right? Yeah, absolutely. Albanese from the left was always ideologically bound, almost fanatical, hysterical, about saying if you don't believe in taking all the refugees, then you're some sort of barbarian, a racist, a bigot from Western Sydney. Chris Smith on today's News Talk TNT. This is generally the view of people, oh, we don't know much about Assange. Well, you should know, because whether you know it or not, he is fighting for you. For your courage and leadership and tenacity in journalism and publishing. Since 2010, Assange has been held in progressively narrower, darker, colder and crueler spaces. He has been detained since the 7th of December 2010 in one form or another. And we are now here after years of imprisonment. WikiLeaks is a non-state hostile intelligence service. I think the man is a high-tech terrorist. A high-tech terrorist. A traitor, a treasonous. He has to answer for what he has done. Assange faces up to 175 years in prison for publishing classified documents exposing U.S. war crimes. The U.S. government narrative about Julian is a complete fraud. It is a complete fraud from A to Z. Julian took on the most powerful countries in the world, basically all of them. We now have confirmed that there were plans to kidnap Julian here in the center of London, or even assassinate him. No one who instigated that illegal and immoral war has been brought to justice. But the great truth teller sits behind bars. If wars can be started by lies, peace can be started by truth. Julian Assange is a hero. What if everything we thought we knew about somebody was a lie? Would we be willing to go on a new journey of understanding? This is a story of deception, lies, bravery, and a man who risked everything to bring the truth to light. Mr. Assange shows all the symptoms that are typical for a person that has been exposed to psychological torture over a prolonged period of time. He looked at me intensely and said, I hate to say this. He then hesitated, visibly troubled and searching for words. And then he finally said, please, save my life. May future generations have the ability to speak without restraint. May our children and their children know truth and have access to information that leads to justice. Wherever Julian goes, free speech goes with him. If there is a bird that is about to take flight, stretch her wings and rule the skies, may it be a peace dove and no longer a bald eagle. If you think Assange is a traitor, he's a rapist, he's a narcissist, he's a hacker. I don't blame you because you have been deceived. And if you think you've not been deceived, that's normal because otherwise it wouldn't be deception. Plug in. Whoa.
website? TNTradio.live. Check it out. Today's News Talk Radio. It's the coolest. TNT. Uh, welcome back to TNT Radio. You're here with me, DD Denslow, uh, and I'm here talking to Stephen Ferry uh, all the way up to the top of the hour, 2 p.m. here in the UK, or, or 9 a.m. Uh, all the way over in sunny Florida. Uh, we were just talking about the state of Western politics, uh, and uh, there was something that uh, I found and something that's been discussed uh, in other podcasts and, uh, and other commentators, and that is with regards to the various turnings that our society goes through. And there is one particular turning that they refer to, which is known as the fourth turning. And the question some of these podcasters and commentators have been asking is, are we right now in the fourth turning? And what do I mean by that? And so I thought I'd ask uh, chat GPT to give me some bullet points <laughs> so I could get it condensed down. So don't criticize me if the AI has been lying to me. It is known to do that from time to time. So there are some generational archetypes. There are prophets, there are nomads, there are heroes, and there are artists. And that there are turnings. Each generational persona, the prophets, the nomads, the heroes, and the artists, there are four of them. They all fit in to a different turning, going from one to four. Each generational persona ushers in a new era called a turning, lasting approximately 20 to 25 years. Turnings are marked by distinct social, political, and economic climates, and a large cyclical uh, uh, pattern that happens like every 80 to 100 years is called a seculum. The theory asserts that a crisis occurs, and here it's saying in the USA, but globally, every 180 to 100 years in the fourth turning where the artists live, where there are weak men and where we are ruled over by weak men, by the Joe Bidens, by the Rishi Sunaks and the Macrons and the Zelenskys uh, and the Netanyahu's. And that in the fourth turn in there is a massive crisis, there is war, there is death, there is social upheaval and destruction. And then as a result of that fourth turning, and, and, and a key indicator is the conflict between the USA and China and the USA and Russia. Are we in a fourth turning now? Are we going to ha have these catastrophic events? The last fourth turning being the First and Second World Wars. And as a result, big, strong leaders and men are born out of that, uh, the prophets, and they come out and they reorganize society, they reinstitute a new set of cultural and social norms, and then we go through these stages of the first, second, and third turning until we get to the fourth turn again in 100 years' time, and then we have another crisis. Uh, and have you actually heard of that theory before, Stephen? I have heard of it, but never studied it. Um... Uh, my view is that it's something we can learn from this. It's it's obviously very inefficient to continually go through 100-year cycles where everything implodes. And I think it says something about humanity. We need to know more about the humanities um, in, in order to uh, manage our own affairs in a way that is uh, survival for everybody. Um, so there's something to be learned from it, I think. And I certainly look forward to the end of this last turning that you refer to. Yeah, I, and putting I, something I, I couldn't agree together. more. 
I, yeah. I couldn't agree more. Although there's probably, again, as I discussed with Jada Franson before you come on, Stevie, there'll be a whole load of people that like this uh, climate and this environment. They like the fight. They like the misery. They like the fear. They like being told what they do. And they are absolutely begging and calling out uh, for war to happen. So there won't be some people who won't be happy. But with that theory, the fourth turning, we don't need to know all the details about it. We have the Great Reset. You mentioned the World Economic Forum at the beginning and their three-pronged trident uh, of agendas. What are their three uh, sort of major thrusts that you mentioned at the beginning of this conversation? Well, actually, it's three dozen. Three dozen. All right, well, we yeah. can't go through them all. So let's try, try packing some down <laughs> <That's> a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> well, I mean, an obvious one is this whole climate hoax. The, the notion yeah. that uh, there's a, a gas, which is a minute amount of the gas in the atmosphere, um, it, it is uh, going to spell the doom for mankind, when in actual fact it's an absolute vital gas, and if we don't have it, all life dies on this planet. The fact that you can actually say seriously you know, we need to uh, watch our carbon footprints. We're not going to watch our carbon print footprints, but you need to watch yours. Um, otherwise, we're all done for. It's just absolutely bizarre. So that's one obvious one. Um, mm. The destruction of the farm farmers, which is ongoing. Um, I don't know if it's occurring around all the world, but certainly in the Western world, which is really what's being marked for destruction to start with. Mm. Um, uh, what else? Then there's war, of course. You've got the meat grinder in Ukraine. You have Gaza, which is a complete and utter disaster. Um, who's doing that? Uh, a, a very basic data I operate off is that if you've got two people arguing, there's always a hidden third party. And um, in this case, obviously, you've got the Israelis and the Gazans fighting. Uh, they're trying to conflate it into a world war. Uh, and who's they? It's the international bankers who basically been behind everything for, for, for well, centuries, actually, um, trying to do things for their own benefit and to and the hell with other people. Um, so, I mean, those are two very, uh, very basic ones. But you've also got CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency, which you apparently, I just saw a report, haven't read it yet. Um, that they're going to try and get it done before the elections in the U.S., force in the really? central bank digital currency. Um, and, of course, that's game over once they get that in. And I think uh, Europe is already quite far down that road, isn't it? Uh, I mean, here in the UK, um, we were isolated for U Europe and, and some of their uh, intentions for new financial systems. They are talking about the digital euro, uh, how far along they are in implementing that along with a digital wallet. Um, I don't know, and I don't have that information in front of me. I suspect here in the UK, they're going to wait until we get a Starmer government before they start pushing <laughs> on that again. Uh, he's very obedient. That's his, uh, so he will definitely be trying to push along that agenda. But you just mentioned that they might try to implement digital IDs or a digital dollar in the USA prior to the November elections. That only gives them, where are we now, about eight months to do that. Um, do, do you, 
Is your understanding that will be a complete replacement of the paper dollar or just something that's going to be put in alongside the paper dollar and then gradually, say, between now and 2030, phase out uh, the fiat uh, money that we hold in our pockets? Uh, what's exactly, you know, what do you understand is going to be the purpose and process there with CBDCs? Well, as with everything, it's boiling the frog slowly. So they will introduce it. And, and the reason they've, going, they've suddenly said we're going to do it before the elections is because Trump has said we're not going to do it. He's already announced the fact that it's just a control system and it's nothing to do with currency. Um, so uh, the I see it as being introduced, but you still have some cash. But less and less people will let you lose, use cash because they'll be enticed not to accept it. And they'll make it more and more difficult, as they've done in Europe. I mean, um, there was a limit, a thousand euro limit, and then there was a five hundred dollar uh, euro limit. I think it was, and now it's very hard to use cash at all anywhere. Um, so that's one of the campaigns that uh, JohnnyForces.World runs as part of the Global Walkout campaign. Um, keep cash alive, and uh, uh, many other people are doing that too. And it really is vital, even if it's sometimes inconvenient. Um, so we, we definitely need to do that because it keeps putting a spoke in the wheel, uh, uh -huh. for this whole thing. And actually it's, it's interesting, the law of unintended consequences, because, um, in England, more and more people are using cash. Why? I because to say that it's, it's, uh, it's, it's on the increase. I use cash now more than I ever did. I still use my card for convenience. It's nice just to tap it and, and walk, you know, tap it and go, uh, you know, and I'm as guilty as the next person for doing that. But yeah, I always have a little, you know, a little wad of cash and I've got pockets full of coins and stuff that I use for, <laughs> for traveling and just, and just going to my local shop in the USA. Can you say the same? Is cash use up? Or do people there prefer the convenience of using their card or their phone or their face or the palm? And there are people in the USA using their palm now. Okay, look how yeah, great this in is. The whole, in like, Whole Foods oh. chain, yeah. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. It's, so what's the, what's the general sort of um, uh, feeling in the USA of regards to some of these agendas? Are people awake or are the vast majority still asleep like sheep? Uh, not the vast majority. People are awakening uh, increasingly, but the the vast majority of sleep it's not happening anymore. I mean, look at the uh, who who's looking at mainstream media, who's listening to Congress. Um, it's very very small number of people. Um, I mean, you just have to look at the rallies that uh, that people went to for um, FJB, Joe Biden. Okay. Uh, FGB, sorry. I was like, oh, sorry, who's FB? F ah, I know who you mean. Uh, is that racing car driver? <laughs> That's right, exactly. Um, the number of people who attended his rallies was lit almost in the single digits, less than 100, whereas you compared the thousands and tens of thousands. And that really does reflect what's going on in the US. There is no credibility at all to the, to the deep state. Um, or everything that they've got going is falling apart. Um, but they still have the money, they still have the, the media, uh, they still have their programs that a lot of people are supporting from their, you know, a bureaucrat in the US government is going to keep pushing in what he's been told to push in. Uh, and that's the inertia that we have to overcome. 
But otherwise, most people are skeptical, at least, if not thoroughly anti uh, what's going on. I have a question. This is a Donald Trump question. I often ask this of uh, my US guests uh, and in general. The establishment, with all their knowledge and all their resources and all the tools that are available, must know that their behavior, their actions and the decisions that they are making are going to drive the public into the hands of somebody like Donald Trump. Here in the UK, the public are going to be driven into the hands of Keir Starmer. can't think of anything worse uh, for the future of my country. Uh, but right. Do you think that, that they're deliberately... Because this is going to be the obvious outcome, and they, so, and they must know this is going to be an obvious outcome. Are people being deliberately driven into the direction of Donald Trump, knowing damn well that the establishment own Donald Trump like they do all the other politicians? I'm not saying they do, but could that be the scenario that you're facing in the USA, and most people have are, are oblivious to it, including those that are part of the freedom movement, who are anti-establishment, anti-agenda, who are going to vote for Trump, uh, unknowingly that they've been driven into that direction in the first place. Remember, Trump introduced warp speed. He introduced the vaccine. Uh, yes, he did. And there, there are his apologists uh, who say why he did it or he was forced to or something. I, th I think we need to really go back to how, how much control do the globalists actually have? If you look at... Um, You've got the Zionists, they've been doing their thing and with the international bankers for a long time. But where did this whole um, strategy, the whole uh, kill everybody um, eugenicist thing come from? It came from uh, the 19th century. And the person who gave it wheels uh, was um, that South African chap, forgotten his name. Oh, but De Beer. No, no, was it to be? No, it wasn't to be. Uh, but anyway, he had a manifesto he wrote in 1893, um, which basically said that it would be absolutely deplorable if the Anglo-Saxon world didn't run the world, if the Anglo-Saxon community didn't run the world. The idea that brown, yellow, pink, green-skinned people would be running the world is absolutely aghast. Ghastly. And he joined forces with the Rothschilds, the international bankers, and the British royal family uh, to create the institutions uh, to push the um, eugenics agenda. And his, his dictum was, you've got to be very covert about it. We've got to be really secretive about this and to succeed. And they actually put all a lot of their people into power in different areas. And then World Economic Forum comes along and they've suddenly rushed the agenda and they start to make known what they're doing. And they, it seems like they're arrogant. I think they're stupid because they didn't follow the original dictum of be covert. Um, uh, uh, but is that because they had uh, their hands forced by a Trump presidency? Is that what you're suggesting? I think so. I think I've so. I've heard and this and I've heard arguments recently 
along those lines i haven't got time to go all into them that actually made sense and that the great reset or covid was supposed to happen years before uh, before it did but then trump got in power and so it delayed all their plans and they had to rush it and they had to convince trump to do the pro the vaccine program and he rushed it uh, and if it wasn't for trump many 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 more people may have suffered as a consequence of the covid pandemic and what they were trying to do we might even still be under lockdown now so that you know it, there, and there is some credence to that so you think the answer to my question because we're going to a break now is um that what i suggested that trump is part of some bigger plan is unlikely because they've they're not that clever uh, well i think it's a possibility but i still have faith in the fact that the people who are fighting are fighting and if we push power to each other we had we stand a chance of coming um coming out of this but if they are all controlled by WEF and the international bankers I don't think they are because I don't think that Putin would be giving them so much grief some people say Z is uh is controlled by WEF and uh and so on so I don't know what the exact truth is no one can know because there's so much misinformation and so many different parties trying to push their agenda but I think we as citizens need to have faith in our institutions and um fight back to defend them i'd like to go into that after the break actually a bit more that's exactly where we're going after the break Stephen. and we're going to take that break right now so please stay right with us here on tnt radio. thank you give me a minute with tnt radio's steve malsberg you all know dr jill biden of course she's the first lady here she is humiliating herself while talking to hispanic americans as distinct as the bogodas of the bronx as beautiful as the blossoms of miami and as unique as the breakfast tacos here in San Antonio. <laughs> so say it with me. See, say quadre. The future is ours. A brain surgeon, apparently she's not. But she is a very selfish woman. She's the reason, I believe, that Joe Biden is being pressured to run for another term. Obviously, he can't handle it. I think she's selfish, and I'm not alone in thinking that. Kennedy of Fox News recently said the same thing. But Dr. Jill has gotten so addicted to the glitz mm -hmm. and the free dresses, and maybe they're not free. Yeah. They're very expensive dresses. Yeah. Uh, but the spotlights, the state dinners, mm -hmm. the private jet, I know it's Air Force One. Yeah. But, you know, the, the yeah, filthy, dirty people who fly Southwest, they're not on Air Force One. <laughs> She's got a house full of servants. Uh huh. They cater to her whims. It's called elderly abuse, and I find Dr. Jill Biden guilty. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TNT. Our beautiful world is changing, withering, dying by the hands of those who don't value nature, even though we all depend on it for life itself. But there is hope. Together with caring friends, the Nature Conservancy can restore our lands and save our wildlife with big solutions only nature can provide. To learn more, visit nature.org today. In 1620, the Pilgrim Fathers and the Mayflower set sail from Plymouth to explore the New World. 
More than 400 years later, Darren from Plymouth explores today's new world. Darren from Plymouth is D.D. Denslow, and he's digging deeper on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back to TNT. Yes, I'm digging deeper uh, for the next ooh, uh, four, 13, 14 minutes here with Stephen Ferry. I've seen some comments coming in. I'm just going to pass a couple of them. One was Didi's knocked the show out of the park today. So that's great. I like a bit of positivity. People are uh, enjoying our conversation, Stephen. Uh, and then I've got two comments, one after the other. Uh, Putin's part of the plan he's part of them and another one saying no Putin's trying to defend his democracy or <laughs> his uh, country's integrity so we've got a nice uh, diverse range of opinions here in the audience at TNT and that's exactly what we want as the world's leading freedom of speech platform um Stephen uh joining forces is your your sort of latest initiative uh it, it does it I'm guessing it says everything that it does on the t- as it's named on the tin uh how do we join forces and confront the the issues that we face in 2024 and beyond uh, that's very easy the, the, we have a problem in the freedom fighter community um we try to protect our turf whether it's a mailing list or our income stream our reputation uh and so on and so forth plus we are all independent thinkers that's the nature of the beast when it comes to freedom fighters or freedom lovers whatever you want to say um and so there's i mean i've been trying to get people to join forces for quite a while and they all have their very strong opinions and mm-hmm. so they won't join forces and unfortunately this plays right into the agenda of the globalists which is to divide and conquer they're very happy that we're sort of um so proud um I think back to the uh, the German the Teutonic Knights uh, who would stand up and beat their chest in front of a a, um, a cohort of Roman soldiers and say, "Come on, I'll take you all on." Um, not necessarily the best strategy. You you might win your battle, but it's not going to win you the overall war. Um, we really need to have our numbers count, and I go back to the fact that the the, the we need to set up a a third party which is a combination of all the people who get it um if you look at the differences i'm sure they're very important the policy differences between uh the the reform party and some other party um but are they really that important when you compare them to the policies being followed by the globalists and their mainstream um political parties they're trying to destroy england its culture Mm -hmm. um everyone else is, is is sort of socially inclined and wants to build things up and that's the that actually describes the majority of people in england but because we're all nice and kind and so on um we don't actually stand up and complain we sort of try and put up with it um but it's a wrong strategy um so i think to join forces we have to get rid of our hubris and we have to start looking at the big picture and come together and come up with a very simple, simply stated uh, political plan, uh, which you can then put to the uh, the electorate. And if you do that, um, people will think, thank goodness. But if we don't do, if they don't join forces, they're going to be small numbers. And then oh. every, every reason a third party uh, par- party doesn't succeed is because nobody has the, they think it's a wasted vote. You're throwing your vote mm. away. Uh, and so you're still forced to choose between a um, lung cancer and a heart attack. Mm-hmm. 
Labour and Conservative. Um, which which they'll give they'll give you uh, at the end of a vaccine if they can <laughs> lung cancer yeah. or heart attacks uh, and it's the same it's not just the political parties I mean but that's right across sort of the public sphere I've spent most of 2024 so far trying to liaise with people trying to speak with people who've got big followings big accounts platforms etc saying hey I know you don't believe in viruses I I, I do but right that, that doesn't matter does it that doesn't matter because COVID really happened. What they're doing really <laughs> happened. Oh, uh, I, I think Andrew Bridgen might be a force for good, or he's, he's at least trying his best, and some don't. I say, that doesn't really matter, does it? Maybe we should just come together because our enemy is a common enemy. And it's the same, you know, people go, oh, the immigrants, we hate all the immigrants. I don't hate the immigrants. I hate the people who are bringing the immigrants into the country. And, you know, the, the immigrants are as much a victim of, of the agenda as we are. Maybe we should reach out to them and say hey we're all on the same side you've been chucked into this country they're going to treat you even worse than they treat us once they get their way we should all work together and maybe if black and white and left and right as jada franson put it we all came together and marched in the streets in the same directions eyed in the same directions same thought targets and messages coming out of our in our minds and coming out of our mouths we might make a difference but how do we do that Stephen? that's the big question because I've had no success at all. Everyone's like that. No, it's going to affect my Twitter account. It's going to affect how many... Oh, don't use the word revolution, one was saying to me. I won't use the word revolution. That might get me into trouble and affect my Twitter account. And I'm like, what can we do? Yeah. What's the answer to that? Well, that brings up the second thing, because I think there's two, two weaknesses that we have in our camp. Um, the other weakness is the fact that we're British. Um, I don't know if you know the word litotes. Have you ever heard that no. word? No. It's I a it's words. a fancy word in English literature, which basically means the art of understatement. Uh, the British are experts at it. They never want to cause a fuss. So they'll straight face tell you that the First World War is a bit of an argy-bargy. They won't actually, but I mean, it's, that, it's almost that extreme. Um, millions died in great agony. But we're not going to we're not going to let that stiff upper lip droop even a millimeter in case someone might think we were impressed or intimidated, and I think that's a problem. We need to get more excited. We need to get more uh, less conservative. Mm. Was that passionate? Yeah, passionate. that's another word yeah. for it. Um, and I know that we think our way is the right way. Uh, you know, you live in a damp climate long enough, and you tend to think you're superior in some way over the excitable continents, continentals and the Yanks. Um, but the fact is, we, in order to actually move forward, we can't keep being conservative. A conservative mm -hmm. person wants the status quo to remain as it is. They're not going to stand up and say, oi, shoot my head off, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, uh, target me. Um, but we need to be brave enough to do that. And that really comes with being more passionate. And I don't think we have any choice. Maybe being stiff upper lip worked when the Hitler's troops were on the uh, uh, on the other side of the water in northern France, but they're not there right now. They're in Whitehall. They're in Westminster. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Plus, they're already here. Amply, <laughs> what's that? They're already here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, there, it's a fifth column activity that's going on. Destroy the people who are meant to protect are, are harming, uh -huh. and even, and it goes down to the police too. They, you know, these goons that come up to your door and start arresting you because you happen to. Um, say something 
what absolute nonsense. Where the hell did the Magna Carta go and all the human rights that followed from it? We need to be more up in arms. Um, and if we're not passionate about it, they'll just walk over us. And that's the way, that's what's been going on. Um, we need to bury our differences and look at the key difference, which is, is this guy trying to destroy England or is he trying to you know, create Britain, I beg your pardon, um, or build it up? <laughs> Yeah, um, and that's exactly exactly what we need to do. We sort of need to take what look at all the problems. Oh, virus, no virus, uh, controlled up, not controlled up. Uh, they ain't problems, are they? Oh, there is a tyrannical government who's trying to steal our human rights and wants to destroy the country and flood it through the people uh, that aren't from here. Now that's a problem, and it's a common that common enemy between us all. But the average person isn't distilling down the problem to one sort of succinct issue. Uh, they're, they're so focused on all these smaller, lesser issues that have probably been fed to them by the establishment in the first place to stop us focusing on them. And I actually have a comment here that I've just noticed out of the corner of my eye for you here, Steve. This comes from uh, just a bloke who asks questions, sort of bloke I like. I like blokes who ask questions. Uh, I, I agree with Steve. I do not agree with my wife, my family, or my friends, or even TNT radio on everything. Don't know about the last bit there, mate. But I don't summary dismiss them. We need to establish commonalities, not differences and we're all focused on our differences and not what we have in common and that is a tyrannical government and we are very quickly coming to the end of the show now steve that's my uh, three minute warning for you before i tell you to shut up uh um, <laughs> what, what do you what do you say to steve and his comment about focusing on common things and not differences he's totally correct because they're the, one of the classic uh, uh MOs of the globalists is divide and conquer. We need to do better than that. I think that step one, the Brits need to say enough is enough. How many more people uh, being raped and acid attacked and so on, uh, or dying from COVID? Are we going to? Is it going to take for us to stand up? Step two, we need to realize that we need to stand up. We can't just uh, try and protect ourselves and, and try and be safe. Uh, and we need to step three, create a political party of the people, by the people and for the people. And that will be if you demand of the leaders uh, or the parties that they come together and look at their commonality, as Steve was saying. Um, and I think that's probably about all the time we got, isn't it? Oh, we're not quite at the end of the show yet, but almost. We've got a couple more minutes to, to fill. I'd like to give a big shout out to Cam uh, and everybody in the studio. Uh, sterling job and a nice plain sailing show this week, which is uh, very, very good for, for my heart because I was having a heart attack last week uh, with some of the tech issues. Um, yeah, we need to come together. We need to get a maybe a common political party. And another way of doing it would actually just to be completely to withdraw our consent to not vote, to not pay taxes. That's what I'm quite keen on at the moment. I don't want to be paying taxes. Uh, do you think that we could do that? Just absolutely. Rather than say, hey, let's invest our power in a new political party. Could we just alternatively just withdraw uh, all of our support and consent? I think there's two there's two steps. They're not the same step. We need to have a, a political party that we can use to try and take over control. And as a very last uh, measure, we go into this one billion on the streets refusing peacefully uh, to cooperate. And that's really how you bring down these totalitarian regimes. Time proven.
Yep. Withdraw our consent, withdraw our compliance. So we're not playing this game anymore. And then all of a sudden, when we do that, we knock over the pieces, yeah, or we kick the board off the table. What we find is that all of a sudden, there's no game to play. And that side of the, 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 the playing board, the political uh, people, the establishment, they're all there moving around the pieces, but nothing's happening because uh, there's no one there to move the pieces back. And I think one famous person put it as um, uh, playing Monopoly with a pigeon. Yeah, a pigeon will crap all over the board, knock the pieces off and then fly away. Absolutely pointless. Maybe we, the public, need to be like a pigeon. Steve, I'm going to say shut up. Thanks for coming on the show. You've been an absolute fabulous guest. And to everybody who's been listening today, thank you. I'll be back next week here on Digging Deeper on TNT Radio.